we're talking about how it is that we find, obtain, and live in the peace of God. And and I want to just remind you from last week's message that we saw a clear command from the Lord, and that command was, do not worry. So think about this for a minute, friends. This this is serious, and I'm going to say this, and I know this is probably going to be shocking, and I may get some emails over this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. If you are living a life of worry and anxiety, you need to know that you are living in disobedience to our Lord. Jesus said, do not worry. And if the Lord commands us to do something, not to do something and we do it anyways, what will we generally call that? Sin. So some of you right now are like, I can't believe he said that. Well, read your Bible. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But here's what I want to encourage you with. If right now that's hitting you and you're upset, can I tell you what the Lord may be doing right now? By his grace, he is revealing that you have a problem that you need to deal with. That that by his grace, peace is really possible. We said it last week, but let me say it again. He would not command you to do something that is impossible. Peace is possible and available through Christ. So when Jesus said, do not worry, let me just tell you, he was not uh, just making a trite statement saying, don't sweat the small stuff. No, Jesus, if you remember, was talking about the very necessities of life. He said, quote, do not worry about your life. And that pretty much encompasses everything. But then he goes on beyond that and he said, what you're going to wear, like like what you're going to eat, and even implied where you're going to live, basically saying the big things in life are everything In those things, we need to trust in him. So we learned last week that that every one of us has stressors. Every single one of us encounters things that lead and potentially could lead to worry and anxiety. So we said everyone encounters stressors, but here was the important delineation. Everybody's going to have trials in this life and stressors, but stress, worry, and anxiety are a choice. And rather than living in anxiety and worry, Jesus invited us to do two things. First, he said, look up. He said, look up and remember our loving, wise, and powerful God who is big enough, strong enough, and able enough to take care of us. But not only did he tell us to look up, but he invited us to look out. And when we look out, we're reminded that we have a great mission that the Lord has called us to to share this peace that we live in with a world that desperately needs to experience it. So all that brings us today to a classic passage that that we've actually studied once before. This was kind of back in the heart of the pandemic. And if you have a church background, it's a passage that you're definitely going to be familiar with. So we're in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where I want to invite you to go. And we're going to be looking at verses 38 through 42. I'm going to ask the Lord today uh, to really help us see this with fresh eyes because I do believe when you know a passage really well, some of you are going to go into church autopilot right now or you're going to go to comparing it to your favorite pastor's way of handling this text. Uh, And let me just tell you, that might even be me from two years ago. It ain't going to be the same, all right? But I do believe the Lord has a word for us that is uh, powerful and much needed today. So Luke chapter 10, and let's start in verse 38. And we'll read this and then we'll pray together. I'm trying to give you just a minute. I usually tell you what to turn to earlier in the message and I just forgot. So it's my bad. All right. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 says this. 
Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us today in a world of distraction, in a world of chaos and crazy. Lord, may we be found sitting at your feet in such a way that it changes us when we get up and walk. That's our prayer today. Simple message, but Lord, would you use this in a profound way to help us be who it is that you want us to be so that we can live with a peace and love that is not our own and we can share it with a world that desperately needs it today. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we jumped right into the middle of a story here in Luke's gospel, and we find Jesus entering into a village, and when he gets there, he goes into the house of Mary and Martha, and we're introduced to these two sisters who you're going to hear their names at other times throughout the gospels as well, and one sister, Mary, sits down at the feet of Jesus and is really just soaking up his teaching and his presence, and she is there in that moment. And the other sister, Martha, is too busy serving and working to do that. Now, when we read this passage, it's interesting to me, especially through our American lens, we kind of immediately peg Martha as that lady. You know the lady, like when you walk in her home, and I guess there's some guys whose homes may be like this too, but when you walk into the home, everything is immaculate, everything looks great, it looks like you stepped out of reality and stepped into like uh, an issue of southern living or better homes and gardens, right? And, and like maybe it smells like fresh baked cookies, which I'm all about that life, right? So you're just like, wow, this is incredible, she must have the gift of hospitality. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way, especially the fresh baked cookie smell, but Martha isn't just a, a woman who is obsessed with homemaking and keeping up appearances. In the culture that she was raised in, that Mary and Martha had grown up in, in a Jewish culture, hospitality was one of the hallmarks of moral responsibility. So good people, godly people, would go out of their way to really carefully and intentionally host well. Like even if you were a stranger, the red carpet was rolled out for you. This was a hallmark of Jewish culture and even the Jewish religion was to take care of the stranger. By the way, that's a biblical term. If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see that over and over again. So, so Martha honestly is doing what she's supposed to do. But in my experience, when every time we come to this passage, and again, especially if you have a church background, you've probably heard this many times, what we immediately try to do is quickly assign a bad guy and a good guy to this text, right? And Martha is clearly the bad guy. Like, Jesus is here, the, the Savior of the world is in your living room, and you're too busy running around serving everybody. How could you possibly do that, Martha? And we say with Jesus, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things. But you need to know that for the Jewish culture at this moment, and honestly for the next several generations, those who would read this text, the roles would be reversed. 
Martha is the one who is doing the good, right thing according to their culture. If you were to drop into the first century world, you would probably hear people saying, can you believe that Mary is just sitting down? Like all of us are here, do you see that woman? What, what is she doing? Like surely Jesus is about to jump on her. At some point he's gonna say, get up and serve me. Because that was the cultural expectation. Here's this great teacher who has come to her house and she's not doing anything. So finally, Martha says, hey, Jesus, aren't you going to tell her to get up and help me? And again, realize that most of the people in the room are kind of like, mm-hmm, tell her. She had this coming. Get her, Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He really does the opposite of, of what they would actually expect, think, or imagine. See, in this moment, what Jesus does is turns the whole situation on his head, which, by the way, he has a habit of doing, in a way that shocked everybody who was there, and in a way that would shock many readers for the next several centuries. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you were anxious and troubled about many things. Can you imagine the, the shock in the room when he said that? The quietness of that moment? Because again, Martha's doing the good thing according to culture. She is really fulfilling the spirit of the law that says you're to take care of your neighbor. Luke foreshadows where Jesus is going to go with this when he said in verse 38 that Martha was distracted with much serving. So what Luke is saying is essentially this. Martha was so distracted by the cultural, religious, and worldly expectations on her that she couldn't experience the Savior of the world sitting in her living room. Have you ever been there? Here's where I want to kind of turn this toward us today. We've been walking through the book of Colossians over the last month or two. And by the way, we'll come back to that in the fall. But we've seen this constant reminder that the presence of God dwells within us. The text said it this way, that the fullness of God dwells in Jesus and the fullness of Jesus dwells in us through the indwelling Holy Spirit that you and I receive at salvation. So what we've been trying to do is kind of remind ourselves about the presence of God. That like the presence of God dwells within us. And we've, we've just kind of been thinking, man, if we were just mindful of that, how different would our lives be? So as we've been thinking about that, the, the reality is we struggle just like Martha, don't we? We're often distracted. So, sometimes it's worldly things, the, the cardboard kingdoms that I talked about last week, living for ourselves, trying to accumulate money, stuff, and success. But sometimes we're, we're distracted by good things, ministry opportunities, by hospitality, by serving, by doing, 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 and, and trying to fulfill the cultural expectations that are put on us by our family, our friends, the people around us in the world. And we end up living lives of stress and worry and anxiety instead of living in and experiencing the presence of Jesus. But church, I came by to tell you today that there is a better way than that. There are two big truths that I want you to hear today, and then we've got a, a couple applications for that as well. So if you're counting, that's roughly four. 
See, y'all thought I was in that rut of only doing three points. I got four for you today, so buckle up. Here's the first big truth. You can't know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. You can't know the peace of God until you know the God of peace. Let, let me just ask it this way. Is Jesus in your house today? Like Mary and Martha, have you opened the door and invited Jesus in? If not, let me just be very honest with you today. You cannot experience the peace of God in your life if he's not in your life. Apart from Jesus, you are actually an enemy of God, according to Scripture. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you are at enmity with God. You are an enemy of him because your sin has put you at odds with God. No matter how clean you try to make your life, no matter how much you serve, how often you come to church, if you give, you tithe, and no matter how much you try to clean your life up, you cannot do it. But the good news of the gospel is that God loved you even when you were his enemy. He loved you enough to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins. And the Bible says that when you recognize your deadness, when you recognize that you are spiritually dead and one day going to be physically dead and forever separated from God because of your sin, when you recognize that, and you call out to Jesus and say, I can't save myself, but I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my sin. And I'm going to call on you and ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. The Bible says that in that very moment, your sins are paid for by Christ. You are given his righteousness. And when God looks at you, he doesn't see you for the sinner that you are. But instead, he sees you as perfect, righteous, and holy because when he looks at you, you, he sees Jesus. Are you thankful for the gospel today? But can I tell you what comes with the gospel? The peace of God. You are at peace with God because of what Jesus did for us. So when you are at peace with God, you can have peace in God. Did you hear me say that, church? Because of your sin, you are not at peace with God. But when you're saved, you have peace with God. And when you have peace with God, you can have peace in God. In fact, the scriptures tell us that when you are saved, that peace is immediately yours. This comes standard in all Christians. If you're a Christ follower, the peace of God is yours today. Here's the question we've got to ask. If that's true, why do we struggle to live in peace? Why are we so stressed out? Why is it that we're worried all the time? Well, back to verse 38. It's because like Martha, we're distracted. We, we don't think about and set our minds upon the peace of God. We live in a distracted world. Studies show that people look at their phones on average about 80 times a day. And I've been with some of you, that, that's the low end. Some of you have already checked it three times and this message has been going on about 10 minutes. Some of you are like, he sees that? Yeah, I'm right here. I'm reading my Bible. Sure. Show me airplane mode and then I'll believe you, all right? 
But, but for the average person, that's somewhere around 10 phone checks every single hour. We live in a world of beings, tones, alerts, fighting for our attention every single waking moment. Then you add on top of that television, work issues, family, the news, children, and all of these things are fighting for our focus, our attention every single day. For the record, you'll notice that some of those things that I mentioned in that list are not bad things, right? Like I pretty easily go on a rant about social media and TV and your phone and all that. Like I, I can make that sermon happen quick, but you, you're not going to hear me preach a message on get rid of your children. I mean, I've got some material, but <laughs> saving that. But in a world where so many things are fighting for our eyeballs, our ears, our hearts, and our minds, it's so easy to find ourselves missing out on the most important thing. So it's no wonder we can't find the peace of God. We're too busy trying to fulfill the expectations of the world instead of seeing the clear expectation of Jesus. The cultural expectations, the worldly expectations, even the religious expectations, and trying to some way check off all the boxes in our world so we look like we have our lives together, and then even taking that and filtering it even more and posting it on social media. We have a world of people wanting to be influencers instead of being influenced by Jesus. Do you want to be an influencer? Then have a life that is influenced by Jesus. In real life, not just like memes you post on social media. Some of you, I'm getting too serious and it's making you uncomfortable. It's all right. I think this passage is just such a beautiful, simple reminder that's so needed for us today. And I'm praying that the Lord would use this to remind us of this truth. So we've said already that if you want to experience the peace of God, if you want to have the peace of God, then you have to know the God of peace. But the second big truth is this. Peace is a byproduct of enjoying God's presence. The presence of God leads to the peace of God. To connect this to last week's message, essentially what we're saying is look up. Regularly look up. Be reminded of how faithful our God is. Remind yourself that you can trust him. Remind yourself that he is faithful, that he is good, that he is loving, that he is wise, that he is powerful. Look up. But I want to get real practical with you today and talk about how it is we actually do this. And we see this in this text. So if experiencing God's peace means experiencing God's presence, how do we do that in a real practical way? Well, first, we see a call in this text to stop. To stop. Verse 39 says that Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus. She stopped and sat down. Now, now listen to me, y'all. The text is clear. There was a lot to do. That's why Martha's running around like a crazy person. There was so much to do that she couldn't even stop. And it got to a point that she blew up at Mary and said, why aren't you helping me? There is so much happening. There's so many people. There's so many people in our house and we're not being good hosts right now. And if we don't do something, we're going to look like idiots to these people. How can you stop when we have all these guests? 
How can you slow down when the cultural expectation right now is to speed up? But in Jesus' loving response to Martha, he says, one thing is necessary. This response reveals a couple of things that I think it's important for you to hear. First, Martha and Mary, again, both had real stressors. Like Martha was anxious and troubled about many things, but these were real issues in their life. Martha wasn't the only one who had these stressors. These people were in their house, and Mary, though, instead of being stressed and anxious, instead, these same stressors were not getting in the way of the one thing that was necessary. Two women in the exact same situation, but two different responses. Any of you been Mary and Martha almost simultaneously, <laughs> right? Like back-to-back moments. Jesus goes on to say Mary has chosen the good portion, which is not going to be taken away from her. See, Martha is so anxious about taking care of guests. She's wanting to put her best foot forward. She's wanting to look honorable to the people around there. But Mary, she's not worried about what other people think. She's not concerned about the social consequences of not being a great hostess. Instead, she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Friends, here's the principle that I'm trying to get at. There is always going to be a lot to do. There's always going to be a lot to do. Like, I'm amazed at how busy our culture has become. Like, used to when you asked the question, like, I remember a point in my lifetime where where people would say, how are you? And the answer in general would be, good. But can I tell you what is, and that was a lie about half the time, but that's another sermon, right? But can I tell you that the really, the, the rote traditional answer to how are you doing today is not good. It's what? Busy. Woo, staying busy. Man, we're going. And I tell you, that's universal. Like, that's like, you know, people who are my age working every day to people who have been retired for years. When you say, what's up? Busy. We're all busy. Like, like I think of this with the teenagers now. Like, you guys are busy. I say, what's going on? Busy. We try to schedule an event for teens and even sometimes schedule an event for kids because they're doing 12 different special activities because they're way, way more special than we were when we were kids. So they're doing all these special selected. I'm just going to get all. Uh, Lyle at crossroad.live. Just send them all your emails, right? Uh, tell them how superlative your children are, and that's why you have them in 17 things and your family can't stop to breathe for a second. Because that's healthy. Let me see here. It's uh, my notes here. Man, but everybody's busy, right? Like we recognize that. I always catch myself when I'm saying it and I laugh. And then I laugh at some of you when we say these same statement. You know the absurd statement that all of us are guilty of saying from time to time? Well, when we get past fill in the blank, this event or this week or this task, then things are going to slow down. Any of you still living in that lie? Like, right? When this big project gets done at work, then things are going to chill out. Like, when we get, listen, y'all, can we just be real for a second? It ain't going to slow down. Like, this is the world we live in, and the world is busy and getting busier, and in a world that is busy and getting busier, we have to intentionally stop. We have to sit down. I love that imagery. Sit down. 
Like stop running around trying to fix everything. Quit taking the world by the horns and wrestling it to the ground. Instead, stop and choose the one thing that is necessary, the presence of Jesus. In a world of busy, in a world of distraction, in a world of anxiety, Jesus is the good portion. We said it last week, but all these things we tend to be worried about and stressed out about are things that will not matter, sometimes even a year from now. But certainly, probably not in 10 years, and I would just say a billion percent in 100 years, they will not matter. Jesus invites us to choose the good portion that has eternal significance. Stop, sit down, spend time with Jesus. It's funny that we are here on the cusp of absolutely working our tails off this week for Vacation Bible School, that that we find ourselves at this text preaching this message. We've got about 100 kids who are going to be here, and really, by the time you have your setup and teardown crews and all that, probably close to 100 adults who will serve in some capacity coming to make this week happen. We're going to go to work during the day, Uh, Many of you are going to be working your day job and then coming here to wrangle kids and teach them about Jesus for a few hours in the evening. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. We cannot wait. But we also acknowledge it's going to be a grind. It's going to be work. It's going to be difficult. And here's what I want to say. In the midst of a busy week, here's the truth. Messages like this become even more important. Uh, let me say it this way, when, when we're, we're really too busy not to spend time with Jesus, we're too busy not to pray, we're too busy not to spend time in his word, we cannot find the peace of God by doing more, by running around trying to make it happen, we find the peace of God when we stop and experience the presence of God. And I know we have many believers that that are new believers. We have some of you who have been believers for decades. But it's still an important reminder. What what does it mean to experience the presence of God? Well, there are times where I catch myself thinking, man, it would be cool if Jesus was like physically somewhere and I could just go sit at his feet, right? that, That would be cool if we could do that. But do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, it'll actually be better for you when I go. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will come and dwell within you. God is not outside of you, but God dwells within you through the Holy Spirit of God. And not only do you have his presence indwelling your life, where you can commune with him and talk to him and pray to him, but do you know what Peter said? Lyle had a great message a few weeks ago about the transfiguration. There's this epic passage in 2 Peter 1 where Peter literally says, hey, I was there when the majestic glory showed up. I was there when Jesus shone bright in the glory of God when he was transfigured. I was there. And when you read that, you're like, wait a scoreboard, Peter, right? But then he says something shocking. But we have something even more sure. The prophetic word more clearly confirmed. He said, yeah, I was there at the transfiguration, but you've got something even better than that, the word of God. Isn't that incredible? So here's what I want to invite you to do today. 
If you don't have a a rhythm of life, a a time in your life, a a rhythm where you intentionally get in God's word and spend time in prayer, I want to just implore you right here, right now, hear me say this, you need that. You don't need another Christian-y podcast. You don't need to find a better preacher than me online, though there are plenty of them. Sermons and all that are fine. I'm okay with podcasts and your TV preachers. and I'm okay with, well, some of them. That's another sermon. I got in trouble last time, so I'll be nice. But you don't need all those other things. They're great and they can be supplemental, but you need the word of God in your life daily. This is how God speaks into your life through his word. And then you need to speak back to him in prayer. You need to have a daily dialogue with him. But here's what I need you to hear me say. This will not just happen. And if you don't have a plan, then you are planning to not spend time with the Lord. I just want to tell you that. Like, I'm just, that's how it works in my house. If you don't have a plan, you are not going to spend time with the Lord. I can just tell you from experience that his presence will change your day. What if instead of scrolling through social media, watching TikToks, YouTube, the cable news, whatever it is you do in the mornings, what if you spent your morning with Jesus? How would that change your outlook in your day? What if after the kids went to bed, you didn't just spend 30 minutes trying to find something to watch on a streaming service and then just going to bed because you're too tired to watch what you finally didn't find? Is that only my experience? In a world of unlimited options, it's hard to find. So it's, but anyways, that's another sermon too. Here's what's wild to me. Our flesh tells us that the best way to deal with worry and anxiety is by distracting ourselves. You know, that's the culture's answer to worry and stress. I mean, look at every commercial you see. That's what it's playing off of. Are you anxious? Are you tired? You need to watch this new show. It's America's guilty pleasure. Are you stressed out? You need to go on this vacation to this resort. You need to buy this book or listen to this podcast. It'll fix you. The world says if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're worried, distract yourself, distract yourself, distract yourself, distract yourself. But can I just ask you a question? How's that working out for you? Statistically, we said last week that that our culture is as stressed and anxious as we've ever been before. But in a world of distraction, the invitation of Jesus is to stop and sit down with him. But listen, y'all, this isn't where it ends. And it's important that I say this, and some of you are panicky. We're about to be done, all right? Listen to me, though. This isn't where it ends because I don't want, like, Audra to wake up in the morning and have a bunch of emails saying, you know, Audra, I listened to that sermon yesterday. And I'm going to choose to be a Mary this week and not serve at VBS, all right? The Lord spoke to me clearly and said, me, me, you're anxious and troubled about VBS, Just sit down at my feet. That's not what I'm saying, all right? In fact, nowhere in the Bible do you see this call to withdraw completely, like to become a monk or a nun and go live on a monastery on a mountain and pray all the time. And that's what your life should really be about if you were super spiritual. 
By the way, there's nothing wrong with taking a spiritual retreat from time to time, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But listen, the point of a spiritual retreat is to get ready so that you can then advance with the mission God's called us to. So when we stop and spend time with Jesus, the call then is to be on mission with the peace of God. To be on mission with the peace of God. We said last week that the peace of God makes us radically different from the rest of the world. In a world of Martha's, the call is that we would be like Mary. But when we are living in the peace that comes from experiencing his presence, God then gives us opportunities to make a difference for him. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus and his followers were always on mission. And and y'all, like you think you're busy, read the Gospels. Like they went from place to place to place. They were always, especially as Jesus' ministry grew, they were swamped with people. Yet they always managed. How did they do that? Can I tell you why? They were able to minister faithfully in the midst of the chaos and the crazy. It's because they had been in the presence of Jesus. Jesus himself even modeled for us. You remember there are times where his disciples go to him and they're like, hey man, there's a bunch of people waiting to see you. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna be up on the mountain praying. Y'all, if Jesus had to do that, what makes you think you're good? Like if you don't think you need time alone with God, Jesus did, if that's not a good enough reason for you, then I gotta preach you a whole different sermon. If we're going to go forward serving, working, and laboring for the kingdom of God day by day, we've got to stop and experience his presence. So y'all, I know this is a simple message, but I think this is a critical reminder for us in this season. If we're going to survive and thrive in this world, if we want the peace of God, we've got to know the God of peace. And when we experience the presence of God, then we can find a contagious peace that comes from God. So the, the call, the practical application is stop and spend time with Jesus, but then when you do, get up and walk and take his peace with you. I pray that we'd be able to do that this week and in the days going forward so that we can reach, teach, live in love like Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that you have given us. God, we recognize today that that we do live in a world of distractions. Like even in this message, there have been thoughts in my mind that sought to distract me from preaching this message. So I know So my brothers and sisters here had things that were distracting them from hearing the message. So God, I just ask that you, by your grace, would help us, or that you would give us clear heads and hearts in a world of chaos and crazy to have the boldness and the courage to stop and to make time with you a priority. Lord, I pray that as we spend time with you, that we would experience your peace in a way that we can walk in it on a real day-in, day-out basis. God, so that as we walk in that peace, we'd be able to take it with us and that your peace would be introduced to a world that desperately needs it. God, I pray for people in here who may today not be at peace with you. They may be your enemy today because of their sin that has separated them from you, but God, you loved them enough that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to save them so that they could be at peace with you, so that they could walk in peace with you. God, may we know, experience, and live in your peace in a real and tangible way today and every day.